Hello, and welcome to episode number five of Eye-Opening Moments, where you hear stories of adversity, encounters, and perspectives. These are real-life stories that can lift your spirits, give you some food for thought, or move you. I'm your host, Emily K. Tan. A moment of adversity labeled stupid. The seven-year-old me ran down the stairs when Grandma called me, and Grandma was yelling at me. Why, I don't know. She said I was as stupid as a pig, just like my father, because everybody on my father's side of the family was stupid. Mom's side of the family seemed to have a great dislike for Dad's side of the family. I think it was because they felt they didn't treat mom right, but I can't be sure. I remember not feeling good about grandma's statement, but I never realized how much it affected my life. Every time I got my report card, I'd need to get a signature. Since I was living with grandpa and grandma, I asked grandpa to sign the report card. He'd say, what is this B and C? He didn't seem pleased with my grades. I concluded that only A's were good enough, so I stopped having him sign my report cards and signed them myself. Later, I got straight A's with one A minus. I proudly gave it to Grandpa to sign, and he said, What is this, an A minus? This reaction told me that five A's and an A- minus were still not good enough. I was never a straight-A student, so I never gave Grandpa my report card to sign again. No one noticed that I didn't have anyone sign my report cards anymore, and I didn't need the displeased looks. The two incidents with Grandpa and Grandma were short interactions, but they set me on the path of thinking I was stupid. In college, professors commented that I was smart. I didn't believe them. As a teacher, other teachers said I was indeed intelligent, but I didn't believe them. My business partners said I was ingenious in business, but I didn't believe them. I'd say, no, I'm not. One day, my boyfriend in business sat me down and said, why do you say you are not smart? You are brilliant, he continued. He'd asked why I didn't think I was intelligent several times because he genuinely thought I was smart. So I thought about it and realized that Grandma told me I was stupid so many years ago. So I thought I was stupid. Plus, Grandpa showed me that Anything less than straight A's was not good enough. Somehow, those two incidents ingrained in me that I was stupid. When I moved abroad to work, co-workers told me I was smart, but I didn't believe them either. I thought I was surrounded by people dumber than me in business and work, so they say that I am smart. 
Despite being affected by grandpa and grandma's statements, there were positive side effects. With grandma saying that I was as stupid as a pig, I may have unconsciously decided that I would prove her wrong. I studied hard, got a master's degree, learned a lot of information, and got well-educated. With Grandpa's displeased comment about my less-than-perfect grades, I may have unconsciously decided that I had to be perfect and do whatever it took to excel. I worked hard, had determination, completed tasks, and worked for excellence. Perhaps my strive to be highly educated, knowledgeable, and have good grades came from them. Maybe they also influenced me to continue to have a thirst for knowledge and a drive to improve continually. As a mature woman, I've learned that just because someone said something, it doesn't make it true or accurate. It is their thought or opinion, and I don't have to take it. The crucial view is the one I choose and the one that would help me. I choose to acknowledge that I am intelligent. I have solved many problems and life challenges independently. I declare that I am not stupid. I move forward, overcoming more challenges and helping others solve problems too. A moment of an encounter called One Whirlwind Romance. It was November, my birthday month, and my friend Selena was on the prowl for a birthday gift for me. She said, are you going to marry your boyfriend? I said, I don't know. Well then, I'm going to find you another boyfriend, she said. I said, okay. I didn't think she could, but I knew she wanted to marry me off since she was already married. Selena said she would treat me to dinner the next day after work since it was my birthday. I got in a car and she did the driving. She drove and drove and couldn't seem to decide on a place to take me. I told her any place would be fine. She said, shh, I'm thinking. Finally, we stopped somewhere. She said she had a new friend she met at church and he had a store nearby. She wanted to stop by to visit, and so we did. She chatted with him briefly, and then she told me to wait outside, his store. I complied. Before long, we came out, or she came out, and said, Can I give him your phone number? I said, Sure. She quickly went back in and gave him my phone number, and then came back out. We ran down the street a bit and let out a big laugh. She couldn't believe she had done it. But she had nothing to worry about since she was married. I laughed like I couldn't believe she did it. And I said he would not call. But I thanked her for her effort. The next day, the guy, Tio, called me. I couldn't believe it. He asked to take me out the very next day. 
I didn't dress up very nicely since I was not attracted to him, but because Selena made an effort to set us up and he spoke Chinese, I decided to give it a try. Plus, he was a businessman. I went out with him and thought he was just okay. Soon my crazy friend said, let's go to Disneyland for the weekend. I went with her. Tio, who kept close tabs on me as he wanted to see me every day, offered to take us to the airport. This small gesture had me take a little notice of him. He also picked us up when we came back. I thought that was very nice of him. Soon it was January, and he said he already had a ticket to Taiwan, as it was his home of origin. He said he bought the ticket before we met in November, and was sorry that he had to go and would be gone for a month. It didn't matter to me, since I did not develop any deep feelings for him. Soon after Tio left, he called me long distance. That was another gesture that I noticed. But I still acted nonchalantly about it. His English was not good, so we always spoke in Chinese. And I enjoyed conversing in Chinese with him. He asked me what he could buy for me from Taiwan. I said a sweatsuit. I don't know why I asked for that, but he did buy it. It was a light gray fuzzy pair of jogging pants and matching zippered jacket. I still have the jacket to this day. I lost the pants to him since one time he spilled something on his pants, borrowed my jogging pants, and never returned them. One time, Tio was over at my house looking all over my apartment. I guess that was his way of trying to get to know me. He noticed that I had a big black trunk with a lock on it in one of my closets. He wanted to know what was inside. I said they were my things. He said he wanted to see and was quite persistent. I started to feel a little scared that he would pry it open and look when I wasn't looking or if I continued to resist. I had my diaries written in Chinese when I was a teenager. If he opened the trunk, he would find my journals and be able to read the Chinese. I wasn't ready to reveal that part of my life. Fortunately, he let it go. The next time I met with Tio, he drove me over to his house, his new house that he bought, and said I could look around. The next thing I knew, we were at his kitchen table, a round white table, and he put a set of keys on it and said, here, you can have my house keys. I said, no, I don't even know you very well. He said, what do you want to know? You can ask me anything you want. We had only known each other for two months, and already he wanted me to move in or come anytime I wanted. I was not at that stage of a relationship with him. I couldn't even let him see the contents of my black trunk. Soon, we had a hot pot dinner with his friends. Tio wanted to introduce me to his friends as his girlfriend. I was a little squirmy and shy about it. Then one time, he called late at night and asked why I wasn't asleep yet. 
I said I couldn't sleep. He proceeded to take it upon himself to talk to me until I would fall asleep. I thought it was so romantic. We even sang Chinese songs to each other. As it turned out, he was the one who fell asleep. As I could hear a little snoring, I hung up and did feel bad for him. I started to have some feelings for him. After knowing him for only three months, Tio proposed to me. That was way too fast for me, and I was not madly in love with him. Then he said he wanted me to meet his auntie, his only relative in town. Before I could meet her, he called to tell me that his auntie disapproved of us getting married because I lived alone and did not live with my parents. He came from a very traditional background, and they were not ready for this independent American girl. And because his auntie disapproved, we broke up. Just like that, he proposed to me. And just like that, we broke up. It didn't bother me because I did not have serious feelings for him. It bothered me that someone else decided that I was not the right girl for him. To me, it meant a guy that was not in charge of his own life. That was my perception as an American, believing that it should be our own decision about who we marry. His actions told me he was just like what I had seen in many romance movies from Taiwan. The films mirrored real life. The plot often goes like this. Boy meets girl, falls in love, meets the parents, and if any set of parents don't like one, the relationship would be over. I got to see a Taiwanese movie play out in real life, except that I didn't fall madly in love with Tio. And that was the end of the three-month romance, or so I thought. Nine months later, Tio showed up at my door, begging me to let him in the door. Finally, I let him in. We sat down on the couch, and he said he still wanted to marry me. I said I didn't want to marry him and that he needed to leave. He said he was serious and that he was not going to leave. I couldn't get him to leave. So I said, if you don't leave, I will get a knife and hurt you. He wouldn't leave. I proceeded to go into the kitchen to get a knife. I started to aim the small pointy knife at him. He didn't budge. I put the sharp tip on the skin on his arm, poking into his skin. And still, he didn't budge. Finally, he had a serious face on and said, Let's get married. We didn't. I never felt like Tio knew me, and I certainly don't claim to know him well either. I don't even know why he wanted to marry me. He couldn't explain in enough words to help me understand. Even with my improved command of the Chinese language, cultural differences, like the need for his auntie's approval, were not addressed. I can only surmise that he wanted to marry me when he returned nine months later, despite objections.
from his auntie. Perhaps love is love, and there are no words to explain why you would love someone in any language. A moment of a perspective called First Thing in the Morning. What's the first thing you think of when you wake up? Asked a friend of mine. I thought, what an interesting question, and I had a quick answer. I thought about what I needed to do for the day. Though I had a short explanation as I knew my response, I was left to think what that meant. It gave me lots to ponder if I wanted to change the answer or what was already in existence. As a goal-oriented person, of course, I had daily to-do lists, short-term lists and long-term lists of things to do or something I wanted to accomplish. Take that away from me, and you're taking away a navigator of direction for me. Take that away from me, and I have to wonder about the purpose of life if you don't know what you want to do or where you want to go. Without it all, what would there be to accomplish? Without accomplishments, where would successes be? One idea seems to lead to another, backward, until you get to an origin or a cause for why I wake and think about what I need to do for the day. A simple human thought or feeling is to have direction and purpose in life. If not, one would be lost and confused. Worse, life would be wasted or unproductive, and life is too precious to waste. Of course, there is another way of thinking. Go with the flow and not plan every day or everything. There are certain things most people have to do, such as go to work, Go to appointments, do chores and errands, complete necessary tasks, and for the remainder of time left, have fun or do whatever you feel like or whatever comes up at the moment. I had no other answer as I pondered more about what I thought of once I awake. I don't want to change my answer. I want to get things done and accomplish something. It is a satisfying feeling. Without a list written or in mind, we lose purpose. And without purpose, what is left in the meaning of life? Without meaning, where is the value in life? As I grow older each day, I feel my expiration date nearer. Sometimes it feels scary because we cannot stop time or escape it. At other times, it is good to acknowledge that time is limited because it forces us to value it a little more. And we do so by spending more time doing the things we love and being with the people we love. Also, by being more present in each moment, we appreciate what we have more than complaining about our lives. As I write my memoirs speedily, time motivates me to move with haste. 
I know time will keep moving. It will not stop to wait for me. As I allot time each morning to write about something in my life, I give meaning to my life with reflection and analysis. And in the process, I discover new things, uncover old things, remember some things, and remind myself of some things. Interestingly, the more I write, the more meaningful my life feels. The more I express my voice, the more alive I feel. The more alive I feel, the more experiences of joy in between I feel. I beg to ask, what do you want out of life? Life is a limited time, so how do you want to spend it? Do you want to do at least some of the things you wish? Are you going to check off items on a bucket list? Are you going to realize some dreams? I ask and remind myself. I hurry to do more on my bucket list. I rush to realize another dream. I don't want to live a life full of regrets. If I do, I can't change it because time will not turn back and time will not wait for me. We only have now. What do you want to think of when you first wake up in the morning? Though I thought I was stupid for many years, it drove me to be a high achiever. With more education and maturity, I realized that being told that I was stupid was an opinion, not a fact. More, my opinion, or the opinion that matters most, is the one that will help me and make me feel good. Though I had a whirlwind romance that didn't turn into marriage, it gave me much food for thought. And love is love. It needs no reason. Though the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning is what I need to do for the day, it gives me purpose, meaning to life, and drives me to accomplish goals and dreams for a fulfilling life. Next week, you will hear three new real-life stories called a triumph, one phone call, and my first kitchen. If you have any questions or comments about an eye-opening moment, email me or go to inspiremereads.com. Thank you for listening.